Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, and thank you, all you loyal listeners and happy warriors, being part of the show and helping to promote the show to other folks. My deepest appreciation to all of you, and uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. And, uh, you know, we always like trying to shake it up, make sure that we are able to please the greatest number of people and provide authentic value to as many people as we possibly can. And so uh, what we just did was um, uh, a few days ago, we uh, let everybody know, both by uh, Twitter, at Daniel Lappin, and Facebook, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and uh, also through a mailing of uh, Thought Tools, we let everybody know that on uh, at a certain point, in, as a matter of fact, it was this last Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, we'd be having a conference call at which I would take questions. And um, the questions I wanted to take were primarily on the relationship between money and marriage, but essentially it was uh, open to questions on any of the four Fs, family, faith, finance, and friendship. And sure enough, um, we had about a hundred folks on the call, and uh, I think there was time during the course of the uh, the show. I think I took about four or five or six calls, something like that. At any rate, what I uh, have done then is now m- made that um, that the, the 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 contents of that conference call. Uh, available on this show. So the the rest of the show is actually going to be uh, the conversations that I had with folks who called in. So you'll let me know how you like that and uh, take a listen. There'll be several segments, uh, each one, uh, one or two calls, and then I'll be back with you at the end. Meanwhile, the website, as you know, is rabbidaniellappin.com which is a fine place to uh, let us know your reaction. Is this the kind of thing you enjoy? Do enough of you want to participate uh, in a conference call that we should do it again? You can let me know all of that uh, easily easily uh, on the website rabbidaniellappin.com and uh, also a place where you will take a look at some of the resources that we have available, uh, both in the area of money and in the area of marriage. The marriage one is called um, uh, Madam, I'm Adam, Decoding the Secrets of Eden, uh, because indeed it is the first few chapters of Genesis that lay out a biblical blueprint on male-female relationships. But anyway, we, we, we cover just a little bit of that this time in the show, but there's a whole lot more, and um, I'm hoping for more opportunities to be able to impart all of that. So on with the show. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll continue right now. Well, hello, everybody. A very good evening to you, and thank you so much for being part of this conference call. And um, what I, I think I'm going to do is, is just uh, walk us into the topic a little bit. Uh, it's actually on uh, the four Fs that I like dealing with, family, faith, 
friendship, and finance. Those are the four. However, I am particularly focused on on this uh, particular show this evening. I'm particularly focused on money and marriage, or the way I sometimes put it, it's it's a little bit um, more direct and, and perhaps not as refined. But it, it does go to the point, and I'm going to um, and, and I'm going to speak about that. But uh, I sometimes speak of it as sex and money, the linkage between these two areas. Now, uh, one of the questions, obviously, is whether the linkage we can all see with our own eyes between money and sex, uh, whether that linkage is uh, real, intrinsic. Uh, a natural condition for all human beings, or whether alternatively it is sort of culturally imposed. And the, uh, the way to, uh, to explore that is to see the extent to which there are exceptions, if any, and, uh, and, and how many of these exceptions there really are. So what am I speaking about? Well, um, one of them is that uh, women are attracted to men who have a few dollars. One of the ways we know this is that there have been some interesting polls taken on the extent to which uh, your potential mate's credit rating impacts you. And sure enough, about twice as many women, over 80% of women, honestly say, yeah, you know what, if, if the guy's got really bad credit, I'm just not that interested in, in dating him. A far smaller uh, figure, around about 30%, or sometimes some studies show less, of men say, well, yeah, you know, if she's, if she's got bad credit, I don't, I don't want to date her. The majority of men um, are less interested in that. Another, uh, another area, and, and by the way, let me just clarify, as the father of six daughters, in no way do I look down on women who measure the financial health of the guy they're thinking of dating or courting or seeing. Uh, I, I see nothing wrong with that. I think the term gold digger is ludicrous and absurd and has absolutely nothing whatsoever uh, to do with the topic that uh, under discussion, it is entirely appropriate. And I'm going to explain that the financial condition of a man tells far more about the man than the financial condition of a woman tells you about the woman. Uh, Furthermore, we know that um, men are actually more drawn to women who are not high-earning women. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Uh, but sure enough, an interesting, interesting study, I've seen it done several times, um, where they show a, uh, one test group of guys pictures of women with their names and with their occupations underneath, and they ask the guys to, to rate their attractiveness. And, uh, you know, the, the occupation is just written in small letters beneath the name. And, uh, and the guys in general tend to uh, favor the low-earning occupations. So, in other words, subconsciously, they're noticing 
whether the woman's occupation is lawyer, investment banker, doctor, etc., etc., or on the other hand, uh, you know, nursery school teacher or nurse or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, guys tend now. What they then do is they reverse all the occupations. Uh, in other words, all the women that had been all the women's pictures that had. Uh, high-earning occupations are now replaced with low-earning occupations and vice versa. And then again, they're shown to guys, and sure enough, <laughs> the guy's preferences switch. And I shouldn't laugh because I'm a guy as well, and, and I'm, I have no doubt that that's exactly what I would do as well. Uh, what's it all about? Um, it's, it's, it's very, very simple, and that is that um, uh, a man's identity, and if I can say his sexual identity, is very linked to his ability to bring the bison back to the cave, uh, very linked to his ability to, um, to, to produce in the world. And um, this is one of the reasons that, and unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's a very sad thing, but uh, in uh, places around the United States over the last 40 years, there have been enough instances of entire areas that have lost the industry. Uh, there was a really bad time for the Pittsburgh area when steel just vanished, and Pittsburgh's enjoyed a resurgence now. Uh, there were um, industrial uh, uh, facilities of the Northeast. There was a period they floundered very badly. And in each one of these cases, we've been able to notice the linkage between male sexual dysfunction and job loss uh, we find almost no female sexual dysfunction associated with job loss. So in other words, one of the things we know is that a man's self-identity is very linked to his uh, money-making ability. And uh, with women, that's a lot less true. Now, you can see why this kind of conversation is uh, uncomfortable for the culture in the current climate, because part of the current climate's emphasis is that males and females are identical and exactly the same. And so what comes out of the, the worlds of academia and politics is this notion that men and women are the same. Hence, you find that school districts are encouraged to allow people to use whichever bathroom they want. In other words, all of this male-female difference, it's nothing but culturally imposed. Well, it turns out this is absolutely not the case at all. And in the linkage between money and marriage or money and sex, uh, we find it compelling to be compellingly true. And so uh, what, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, begin to go into uh, some specific questions that you might have. And if you don't have any questions, that's also fine because I have questions that people have written in, um, extremely intriguing questions and, uh, and, and questions that uh, you, you will probably find as interesting as I will. So uh, what we'll do is we will... Um, go to uh, the question and answer section, which, and that means that in just a moment, when I finish talking, uh, you can press star six on your phones, and that is the equivalent of raising, <laughs> of raising your hand. That tells me that you have a, a question to ask. And what I'll do is I'll then um, 
uh, unmute each of you, whoever I'm talking to, one at a time, so as that you can answer your question. And in, if you don't mind, the way I'll identify you is by the last four digits of your number. Now, those of you who are on the call by VoIP, those of you who used uh, your, who are on your computers, uh, your names actually show up. That, that, so that makes it nice and easy. But for everyone else, I'll identify you by the four digits. So uh, remember, star six puts up your hand and tells me you have a question to ask. Okay, so uh, you get the you get the idea, and you see how um, how all of that works. Uh, and so, any time that uh, that you'd like to um, intersperse with a question, well, that's that's the whole purpose. That's exactly what it is we're trying to do and cover this evening. So, that would be just fine. Uh, meanwhile. Um, what we'll do? Well, okay. Let's go to uh, let's go to uh, <laughs> normally. You know, I say let's go to Jim. You know, in Orlando, Florida. But I don't have that sort of information in front of me here. But I I am going to somebody whose um, last four digits of their phone number is zero two three four. Okay. And, Hello. Can um, you hear me? I sure can. Yes. And as with tradition, first caller is Rock Andrew from Rockford, Illinois. How are you today? Couldn't be better, thank you, Andrew from Rockford, Illinois. Nice to hear from you. What's up? Um, uh, can I ask a, a finance slash uh, friendship question? Yes, of course. This might apply to sales more than friendship, but I think they apply to both. Um, in your experience, how often should you contact uh, a contact, a friend, in order to keep the relationship warm, and what are some of your favorite ways of, of kind of stoking that fire of, of friendship with that contact? Um, so uh, let me just, um, uh, let me just um, pause for just a moment, Andrew, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because Okay, I, I, I thought I had a technical problem here, but, um, but I, I think we're actually good. Um, we're good. Uh, do me a favor, if you wouldn't mind, Andrew, and just repeat your question one more time to make sure everyone has it. Certainly. Uh, in sales or in friendship, um, I don't feel like I have a good understanding of how often I should contact somebody just to keep that friendship warm. So in your experience, what's a good time frame that if you haven't talked to someone in so long, you will get in contact with them and try to rebuild that warmth in the relationship. And what are some of your favorite ways to to stoke that fire? Sure. Um, so the the first thing I have to tell you is that uh, uh, men and women communicate in entirely different ways, uh, and that's hardly news. But but let me give you uh, let me give you an example. Um, if uh, if Tom notices that Jerry's shirt is caught on fire, Tom will say, hey, Jerry, your shirt's burning. And Jerry will say, oh, thanks, Tom. End of conversation. I can guarantee you that Tom is not going to call Jerry that evening and say, so, Jerry, what did it feel like to have your shirt burning? Not going to do that. And the next day, Jerry's not going to call Tom and say, hey, Tom, you want to come shopping with me to replace my shirt? None of those things are going to happen. But uh, they would happen 
if women are involved. So to put it directly, um, I will sometimes hear the phone go, and I, I, I hear my wife picking up the phone, and she will talk to the person who called for maybe 15 minutes, and as far as I can tell, no substantive information was communicated. I didn't see my wife making any notes. I didn't see her pursing her lips or uh, holding her chin. It, it was just a conversation she conducts with a smile on her face. And at the end of it, I say to her, so what was that about? And she says, oh, you know, that was my friend Shelley called. And I said, oh, what was that about? She says, nothing. Now, for me, and the same would be true for you, if the phone goes and I answer the phone, and, um, and somebody on the other end says, oh, Rabbi, hi, you know, this is Tom. At that point, my meter is ticking. And Tom has about 30 seconds max to tell me why he's calling, what I can do for him, what he wants, what he needs. And if he doesn't do that, I start getting very itchy. And For me, communication is about conveying information because I'm male. And, uh, and, and obviously, there's a bit of a spectrum there. I mean, there are, you know, some guys sort of tend to be more talkative than others. But basically, in as much as one can generalize, uh, guys communicate in order to convey information. Therefore, to answer your question, uh, you cannot look at the calendar and say, oh, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to Alan uh, for three weeks. I better give him a call. Because what are you going to say? You see the problem. Mm. You can't. You yeah. can't just call. You cannot just call up and say, "Hi, this is Andrew. I'm just calling to see how you're doing," because the answer is, "Fine, thank you. I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you doing? Okay, good. Now tell me why you called." And to say, "I just called to stay in touch with you," well, um, that's it. It feels manipulative. It feels uncomfortable. It's it's a little weird and creepy. You can't do that, and so uh, the only re the only way to call is when you have real, genuine, authentic uh, reason for calling. Uh, if you've heard that he he took a fall on the skating rink, you can call to say, "I heard you took a fall. Are you okay?" You can do that. Alternatively, you can also do, and this this is the, the what I like doing, which is um, calling with some kind of, of gift. And so, you know, if, if it's somebody I want to retain a relationship, we haven't spoken for a while, uh, by that time I usually kind of know what his interests are, if he's a collector of different things or if he would enjoy tickets to a sporting event. But whatever it is, I'll call up to say, listen, I've managed to get hold of uh, some tickets I can't use, and I was thinking of you, wondering if you'd like to use them. And that works just great. And that in itself will give you a sense of uh, of the timing, Andrew. You see what I mean? I do. And, of course, there's a lot of complications that go with sales relationships of of different tricks and tools. I'm sure that's a whole other conversation there. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I, By the way, let me just say, if anybody else would like to um, get onto the, the question queue, uh, no problem. All you do is dial star six and uh, follow the directions, and then uh, you will be next up as we uh, move through the list of people who have specific questions. Um, in any, general, any? on uh, faith, family, friendships, and finance, 
uh, specifically focused on uh, money and marriage. Yeah, well, uh, Andrew, you got it? I apologize. I was just going to ask you one quick little two-second question. Are there any books that come to mind that, as you see what my question was about, you would suggest? Uh, no. Offhand, I, I can't say offhand. If I, if I did a bit of a search, there'd probably be some. I'll tell you, um, uh, I'll tell you oddly enough, the one that I, I, I don't recommend it wholeheartedly because there's, um, there, there's an air of artificiality about it. And that is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I'm not an unreserved fan. I think if you read it cautiously without the sense of I must do everything he suggests, um, I think there is value. For instance, he speaks a lot about the importance of knowing people's names, using people's names, remembering people's names, and that's certainly true and valid and good. But um, but the, the part that I find a little bit artificial is the sense that um, you're doing all this in order to influence people. And if, if you're in sales, as in one way or another, as most of us are, uh, then there's very much a sense of, hey, I'm, you know, am I doing this because I really like you and I really want to build my relationship with you, or am I doing this simply because I want to try and be in a better position to influence you? So that's my caution with that book. Well, thank good? you very much. I look forward to hearing the other questions. You bet. Okay, terrific. And uh, what we do is we now say hello to uh, – uh, well, you're going to have to tell me exactly who you are as you join in, but uh, your phone number ends with the digits 7569. So uh, so welcome. Who are you? So thank you. This is uh, Isaac from hey. Ohio here. Say again, what's the name? Isaac from Ohio. Wonderful. Isaac, thanks for joining us. How are you doing thanks. this evening? Uh, well, Rabbi, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm, I'm pleased you're here and uh, eager to hear your question. I have a quick question on family. I um, remember from one of your shows that you have uh, six or seven kids and you homeschooled them. That is right. Uh, six daughters, one son, and uh, indeed we homeschooled them, yes. Well, what kind of homeschooling programs do you recommend? Um, you know, for that, what I'm going to suggest you do is on our website, there is um, uh, a section called Ask the Rabbi. And okay. I recommend you post that question there. The reason is because although I love saying we homeschooled, and <laughs> although it was, it was a partnership, as in most families, the, uh, the bulk of that load, the bulk of that burden was carried by my wife, Susan. Very well. Okay. So she, she would be happy to tell you that. Diff, I know a different year, and we used the sunlight curriculum. We loved that. There were, but there were many others in the diff, at different periods and for different children. We, looked, we always found something that was suitable. We, we, we very strongly took um, the biblical dictum to heart, which is educate each child according to his style. Okay. And so for, for our son and for each of our daughters, uh, we, we really tried to um, make sure we knew what their style was, and that helped us pick the right kind of curriculum. Perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You are certainly welcome. Thank you for calling. Yes, sir. Um, all righty. So um, onwards with the questions, and we go to um, a caller whose digits are, last four digits, 8-1. 
1-800-227-8787. Thank you very much for being with us. Who are you and where are you calling from? Um, Jerry from Cincinnati. Jerry from Cincinnati, is that right? That's right. Terrific. Thanks for being here, Jerry. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a great honor to even talk to you. I, uh, uh, it's, it's my pleasure. I, I love communicating. I love having a chance to talk to folks. And when I do speeches for companies uh, or for churches or synagogues, uh, sometimes my favorite part is the opportunity to, to actually meet folks after the event and uh, find out a little bit about their lives. But uh, tell me what's in your mind. Well, you know, I... I um I've studied you for quite a while now, and you say that um, everybody needs a rabbi. And, uh, <laughs> I know and that I, sounds rather self-serving, but I do uh, believe it well, anyways. I, I believe it too. And um, I have um, you know, I own my own company, and right. um, it's great. It's very challenging. And, and I, I guess how does a person get like, um, a rabbi, you know, say as yourself, like involved, like in a more deeper level, like with you know business and and you know, like uh, on a personal level, like actually maybe even come to the company and how, like how would I go about even like you know like say getting you to come to my company and yeah. not you sure look. Um, I, I do do that for companies. What what is the product or service that you um, uh, that you sell, Jerry? I, I own an outdoor power equipment store. Like you know, we sell lawnmowers and chainsaws and fix them and all that kind of stuff. Oh, great, great! I love chainsaws, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, for, for a long time on the radio, I used to joke that uh, I measure masculinity by how many internal combustion uh, cylinders you own. Yeah, I so, got a bunch. You know, uh, one on the chainsaw, uh, one on the lawnmower, two on the outboard motor, eight in one car, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah. um, uh, so, so I know the field you're talking about. Okay, so uh, the my answer to your question is in two parts. Number one, the direct answer to your question is that um, on our website at rabbidaniellappin.com, there's a place to to contact us. There's a place to write to us. And you would um, just go ahead and uh, say exactly what you're interested in doing. And and yes, I I was in uh, Nashville just uh, three or four weeks ago working with a, a car company, a car distributorship. And so, yes, I do do that. Go to the website and uh, put in an inquiry, and somebody in our office will definitely get back to you, and uh, we'll see if that is possible. If that is possible. Um, now, the second part of my answer to your question is that um, you may not. It's possible that you don't need me. It's possible that eighty percent of what I bring you or could bring you is available through uh, our resources, books, uh, audio, and so on, Mm -hmm. and that what you really need could also be uh, provided to you by a very good business coach, because um, 
If do you have a partner or are you a, a sole proprietor? Uh, sole proprietor. I'm the sole owner. Okay, it's very tough. You are in a tough, tough place because being alone and carrying the responsibility alone in business is plain and simple hard. It just is. And it means you've got nobody to bounce things off. You've got nobody to, uh, uh, to use as a sounding board. You've got nobody to uh, present a question to and, and perhaps two or three alternative solutions and have them uh, discuss the solutions with you. And, and of course, those, those are certainly things I, I, I do, but they don't need to be me. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I'd love to be able to say I'm indispensable and I'm the only person who could help you, but you know that's not true, and I know that's not true. Uh, it's possible that for a, a large part of what you need, a very good business coach would do the trick. Now, I would love to be able to say, contact me on the website and I'll give you the names of three business coaches in the Cincinnati area whom I like. Mm -hmm. And although I'm hoping to be able to do that soon, to have coaches around the country that have um, uh, got some training from me and, and who have their own independent knowledge and experience uh, and that I could recommend to you. Bottom line is I can't do that today. I wish I could. I can't. But that doesn't mean they're not available. They are out there. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be someone in the Cincinnati area. It can be anywhere today, and you can use Skype and phone and everything else. So uh, I, I would certainly be in touch with me, and we can look into it. But at the same time, I would also recommend you explore this world of uh, coaching. And then finally, um, Here's something which a lot of people don't don't think of doing. I'm a big believer in it. I can assure you that in a big city like Cincinnati, there are thousands of really competent older guys who are retired, who are running, you know, who are working two days a week, guys who are executives of companies, guys who are entrepreneurs and owners of companies. Uh, these guys are there. And um, and all you need to do is find one and build a relationship with him, where you he he will derive great pleasure from being your mentor, and uh, and you will derive enormous tangible benefit from having him in your corner. That's uh, the, the the last uh, idea. Have you ever thought of doing that? Um, I I I have um, two different people that um, kind of help me. But the problem is, you know, they're—I um, don't know—it's—they're uh, not um, spiritual, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah. No, but, it would be helpful—be um, helpful to get somebody that that you mesh with, not just yeah. economically and materially, but also spiritually. That would be helpful. It's kind of hard for me to. <clears throat> I don't know, like, I, not that I don't think they're a good enough person. I just don't think, well, I just don't think they're you, but I don't think they're, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, they're just not, um, I don't know, they're not what I want. I'm, I'm like, I feel yeah, like I'm right, asking so that. As I say, look, explore, explore like, the wonderful world of coaches, business coaches, and also uh, search in your spiritual community, uh, put out the word that you'd like to meet somebody like that. Don't say I'd like to find, but I'd like to meet somebody like that. 
Yeah. Give that a shot, yeah. would you? Okay. Yeah, sure. I, I All right, wonderful. Thank you very Thank much. You. Lovely to hear from you. And do stay in touch and, and go through the website, all right? Will do. Thank you very much. Terrific. Okay, great. So uh, here's what we want to do now. Uh, I'm going to go to another call in just a moment, and I'll tell you who's up next is uh, the person whose phone number ends with 4353. So I'm going to come to them next. But, uh, but before I do that, let me read to you one of the questions that absolutely fascinates me. And, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll see if I actually have time to, to respond to it tonight. But at least let me tell you the question. I think you'll be as intrigued with it as I am. It is a very common real life problem. Okay. Um, the guy says, I'm a married father of two great kids. Um, I am a regular listener to your weekly podcast, and I've purchased several of your audio programs that I return to time and time again. I'm writing because the constant discord between my wife and I has become too much, and we are reaching a breaking point. She maintains that everything underlined is my fault entirely and is constantly barraging me with put-downs, insults, and belittling comments. In the last five minutes of your 11-17-2017, that's this last November the 17th podcast, um, the name of the podcast, the name of that episode, by the way, is Frightening Facts About Sex They Didn't Teach You in the Ninth Grade. And, um, and uh, this guy writes, in the last few minutes, you raised the topic that spoke directly to me as if you were a first-hand observer in my relationship with my wife. Unfortunately, your description of the way women can so effectively use words like weapons, while the tendency of men is to withdraw and retreat in silence, well, that's exactly what happens between us. Additionally, because we work together, every error that I make in any aspect of my personal and professional life is additional cause for disgust and revulsion to my wife. Powerful words, but, but he's exactly right, because that's what happens. Resulting in verbal attacks on what I perceive to be my very existence. What he means is his entire sexual identity is under attack. In that episode, you mentioned that we should let you know if this was a topic that you should discuss further. I did say so on and so forth. I'm writing to ask you to revisit this topic to provide ancient Jewish wisdom on how I can try to deal with this. Please let me know where I should look for more direction of this discussion of this topic or revisit an upcoming episode of your podcast. And, um, and, that's, the, and that's the letter. Look, uh, situations where husbands and wives work together in the same business, these situations are fraught with peril fraught with peril and um, I, I will try I will try and come back to that and talk about it a little bit but I will just put in here now um, uh, another reality about money and marriage and that is in the same way that it is pretty hard to find uh, harmonious and stable marriages in which the woman proposed marriage to the man very hard so much so by the way that uh, is that there are, are cruel videos up on the internet um, of um, women proposing to men and the proposal goes horrible as you would think it would right because the overwhelming majority of guys don't respond well to that and uh, the overwhelming majority of women know that the the way 
men and women are constructed is that the man has to ask the woman to marry him. It's the only way it works. Uh, there are many women, however, who get uh, misled by cultural propaganda that they're exactly the same and they see no reason you know why shouldn't they propose until they actually try it and it blows up in their face and it's mortifying and humiliating and horrible to watch in exactly the same way uh, it is very difficult to find stable marriages where the woman dramatically out earns the man now uh, an exception to that would be uh, it sometimes happens a medical student in the last year of residency marries a nurse and he's making pennies and you know a nurse makes a decent living she's out earning him uh, that one can work because everybody involved knows that in one year's time uh, that medical student will now be a doctor and will be earning very very well and in, in fact his wife the nurse probably won't even have to work anymore if she doesn't want to but generally speaking uh, it's a huge problem and that said to be in business together with your wife is very problematic, partially for that reason, partially for others. I uh, hope to come back to that. It's a big, big topic because many people, uh, many, many uh, entrepreneurs who start businesses do involve their wives or their wives want to be involved. The wife says, hey, you know, I want to work. Why would I go and work for a stranger when, when I can come and work in our own family business? And uh, one has to be careful. There are safeguards that have to be put in place in that sort of situation but uh, for now and again let me just remind you if you want to join the question queue uh, all you got to do is uh, dial star six and that'll put you on the queue but meanwhile we're going to go to uh, um, somebody whose uh, phone number ends with four three five three hi this is um, Shana from Michigan well, hello, Shana from Michigan. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Couldn't be better, thank you. Thanks for joining okay. us. Okay. So um, you basically just touched on my question. Um, it's this correlation between um, marriage and money. Um, I was listening to a study on NPR um, recently, um, and it was talking about how uh, many women in this country earn more money than their husbands do. Um, and um, it was talking about um, the data um, on young American couples, and the research found out that um, a man is more likely to cheat on his partner if he's more financially dependent on her, and men who are completely dependent on their girlfriends or wives are five times more likely to cheat than men who earn the same amount as their partners. Um, so I just found that very interesting, what you were saying about culture and the feminist movement, um, how it has disrupted families, um, marriages, you know, obviously between husband and wife, where the, the husband feels quite emasculated. He's kind of lost his place in society, in the home. Um, and really men were, like for many, many years, the breadwinners and the women you know, traditionally looked after the children. So now that the roles are confused, I was wondering what your thoughts about are about that. Sure. Um, so first of all, whenever I hear of a study on NPR, I'm always a little bit concerned because there is always so much uh, political bias today, in, and it's true on, on every side. So I'm always cautious about uh, anything that says studies show or experts insist or 
studies reveal. I'm always cautious about that sort of thing, and, and I, I would know that a, left, a left-leaning organization like National Public Radio would want to um, accelerate the trend of women earning substantially, and one of the ways to do that is to talk about its, its popularity. Um, you know, I once gave a course, well, more than once actually, I gave a course uh, for rabbis and, and also for pastors uh, leading uh, synagogues and churches on fundraising and building a, a solid foundation, a solid economic foundation for the church or the synagogue. And one of the things I said is don't ever go before your synagogue and beg them to contribute. Don't ever say we're really in need of funds. We've got to fix the roof or buy an organ or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, don't, don't do that. All you do is get up and thank all of those many people who have been so incredibly generous, regardless of the fact that maybe nobody has. But right. Or, what... or um, just let the roof leak in. Sorry? Or just let the roof leak in until someone... Or that what? Let the roof leak in the water until someone comes um, to pay for it. Well, no, 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 not at all. No, the, the, the point is that uh, I want to make everybody feel that they are the exception in not everyone else around them is being very generous and, and they, uh, they are the exception and nothing motivates people more than that kind of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. But if you beg people to give, well, then it's obvious that all the folks around me aren't giving, so why should I? But if, if what you hear is the leader thanking everybody for giving, you're saying, oh, I haven't given it. I, I must be like the only person in the whole place who hasn't given it. So, you know, that's, um, I, you know, that's, that's just part of what's going on. So I, I know that uh, places like NPR tend to sort of say, look, you know, all these women are earning plenty of money. So... I don't actually have at the tip of my fingers any reliable figures on whether or not um, the number of women out earning their husbands is growing or not. I don't know that, uh, but I will look into it. But what I do know is that the follow-up, what you, you mentioned, is, is absolutely true, and that is that uh, these marriages where the woman out earns the man are intrinsically unstable. And... Uh, and yes, there is more cheating, by the way, in both directions. You see, mm-hmm. uh, the, the most important thing that a woman has to feel towards her husband is respect and admiration. She has to be able to look up to her husband. A woman is, generally speaking, unhappy when she doesn't feel proud of her husband. And um, one of the interesting indicators of that that I, I want to tell you about real quickly um, is that although it is true that uh, on average men are taller than women in the United States of America, right? Obviously, everybody Uh knows that. Uh, You know, you do have your short Michael J. Foxes, and you have your very tall uh, Serena Williams, the tennis player. But Uh generally speaking, uh, it's not like that. Well, what is very interesting is that it you know, we have more statistics on these kinds of things in the United States of America than almost on anything else. And so it's really easy to do a mathematical calculation of what percentage of couples should be made up of a taller man and a shorter woman. Well, given the distribution of height among men and women in the country, the correct figure is about 65% 
about 65% of couples should be made up of the man taller than the woman, and about 35% the woman the same height or taller than the guy. In reality, however, the, real, the reality doesn't match the statistical sampling. The reality is that the percentage of couples where the man is taller than the woman is over 90%. So what that means is there's nothing random about it at all. There are only two possibilities. Women seek out taller men or men seek out shorter women or thirdly, both. Mm -hmm. But there is no other conclusion to be drawn. And, um, and that makes perfect sense because it's simply a physical a metaphor for a spiritual reality. A woman wants to be able to look up to her man. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when that's not the case, she becomes uh, sexually vulnerable to a man whom she does look up to and admire, and the, the man who, as you correctly put it, is feeling emasculated uh, by the situation, um, very... Uh, uh, very easily, very easily indeed, succumbs to a bad situation. Happens all the time. Um, so, uh, uh, I, th is that what you're talking about, Shana? Yes, yeah. yes, you're right on. Thank you so much. That was very interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's, uh, it's it's a bit rough, but uh, but it is but it is the case. Yeah. Uh, anyways, thank you very much indeed. Very good talking with you. I appreciate it. What we are going to do is pop over to another part of the country. That was Sean in Michigan. We're now going to go to Chris in the state of Washington. Welcome, uh, Chris. How are you doing? So nice to hear you. Hello there. I'm uh, How are you? Doing, uh, doing fine out here in the <clears throat> great Pacific Northwest. I have a question that's kind of, uh, don't know if it's going to fit in with what you've been talking about already or not, and it's a, a problem I think a lot of people don't want to talk about, but it's, yeah, I'm concerned about, you know, values and so forth and the way the culture is going and all that sort of thing. But my two sons attended a Christian college, which will remain nameless. And of one of the things they reported back to me that shocked them was the amount of pornography everywhere. I mean, this is a Christian college. In almost every guy's room, every guy's dorm, he was all over the place. Uh, there, I've seen uh, statistics that say that 68% uh, of Christian men struggle with this issue, and it seems uh, horrific to think of that. Um, what do you think are the, the causes? Is there a solution? I'd like to hear your comments on that rather a difficult subject. Um, it's a hugely difficult subject, and uh, unfortunately I'm probably going to be hugely unsatisfying um, on the topic because... Uh, it, it warrants an entire show all on its own where we do nothing but delve into that. But at least uh, just a, a couple of points we should look at. Um, the area in which it, 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 it hues very closely to the topic of, uh, if you like, sex and money um, is that one of the things we know is that um, involuntarily celibate guys – involuntarily celibate guys make no money. I mean, this, 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 this connection is enormously powerful. Um, and so guys who, for, for whatever reason, are simply incapable of attracting a woman and becoming part of a couple um, tend to do very badly financially. They just do. Um, we, uh, we are all subject to the quick fix. 
um, when I was um, taking a, 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 a one-month um, writing sabbatical in Jerusalem uh, two years ago, um, I did a program for a venture capital company, and there were a number of people that uh, there were a lot of people came to hear presentations from a number of Israeli high-tech companies. Well, the one that aroused most interest <laughs> was a, a company that uh, promised a machine that would uh, cause you to lose weight. Now. Uh, years and years ago on you know late night television infomercials, you might remember um, there was the one that you strap around your waist and it was electrical stimulation of the muscles. And this felt enormously satisfying. The idea was that you put no effort into it. All you had to do was sit in an armchair reading a book or watching television. And meanwhile, this electronic device would send myo-impulses through your skin. And sure enough, you could feel your muscles uh, expanding and contracting. And it really felt as if you were getting this workout, except you were strangely untired at the end of it. And <laughs> strangely enough, there was, you know, there was no muscular pain. Well, as uh, I think it was the late Vic Tunney, wasn't who said, no pain, no gain. And, and neither say did nothing. Well, there was a, another company that, that promised something similar using different technology. Uh, I whispered to my companion, don't even dream about putting a penny into that. Um, it's, it, it, it won't work. It's just not how the world really works. I don't care what their onboard doctors say. I don't care what their uh, board of directors claim. It's just does. It's, it's not real. That's not, you can lose weight by eating less and exercising more. There is no painless way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we seek out, we seek out easy alternatives. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we were the country that invented instant coffee. Uh, nowadays, of course, nobody uses it because everybody goes to uh, a, a coffee shop whose uh, whose name will not be mentioned because they are not sponsors <laughs> of ours. But uh, uh, look, that's what that's what pornography is. Developing and maintaining a relationship with a woman for a man is very, very hard. It's not simple. To, to, be, uh, to be the right guy for a woman is not, you know, it's, it's just not as easy as watching pornography and masturbating. I mean, I'm sorry to, I don't mean to be uh, vulgar, but, but I, I, I'm impelled to, to be very direct and, and truthful about this. So uh, it's, it's way beyond the instant coffee of male-female relationships because, um, you know, most of us can easily manage without coffee for lengthy periods of time. But, but enforced celibacy is incredibly difficult and incredibly uh, threatening, as I've spoken about earlier this evening, threatening to the identity of the male. Uh, that coupled with today's shockingly easy availability, uh, I've seen figures I don't know that I... Um, uh, that I can vouch for them, but I've seen figures, I'm sure everyone has, that more money is uh, spent on the Internet in the pornographic area than in anything else. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it wouldn't shock me if it were true. It certainly wouldn't shock me if the figures are incredibly high uh, because it's something that, um, that, that men need desperately. 
the authentic, healthy way of doing it is by having a relationship with a woman. But that is not easy. It is easier to take this route because of the uh, availability and also the, the cultural uh, acceptability today. In immediately in the post-war years, you know, between the end of World War II and the period I time as the beginning of the decline uh, in America, say, you know, 1962, shall we say, uh, in that period, um, for a man to be 28 and unmarried, there was a stigma attached, an entirely appropriate stigma. People are saying, like, what's the matter with you? Like, what sort of guy are you? Uh, it was absolutely out of the question for any of the major companies of the day. I, I know IBM specifically for sure because I've actually seen some of the handbooks from the period. Uh, IBM never would marry, would uh, hire an, a single senior executive. Not going to happen. What's more, not only did they insist that their senior hires were married, they actually interviewed the wives as well. So... Um, uh, so that's that's about as far as I, I can go on, on on the topic of of course it's a big problem. Uh, is it you know is, is that figure you cited of sixty eight percent? I doubt it. It sounds it sort of sounds too high, but to be honest, I don't have anything firm to go on. It just just based on on the people I know in the Christian communities I know. And I, and I know, I was just talking to a friend this morning, I was saying, you know, the, the Christians I get to know and the churches I know, you know, in a sense are self-selecting and, and they really are the, the best of the best. Uh, they're just extraordinarily um, noble and uh, powerful men and, and women. So uh, it, it sort of seems high to me, but that's, ju that, that's just my sense. Um, but I'm not sure, in terms of telling you what the solution is, I, I wouldn't dream of trying to do that in five minutes. Yeah, I just wonder what the uh, consequences are going to be if people's relationships are damaged, and of course that affects marriage and everything else, then certainly... Yeah, of course, of, of course it makes it, it makes it hard. There's no question about it that, uh, the, uh, that uh, pornography makes it more difficult for, for these guys to maintain relationships. And then, of course, earning potential and everything else uh, within the society it seems as if it would be affected. And I'm yes. Not sure if that's uh, you know, something we can observe at this point, or something that we would expect to see soon, because at this point, I don't see you know the economy is doing great, things are you know picking up, and so I'm not really seeing any kind of demonstrable problem that could be attributed to anything, regardless of what the cause might be. Because again, financially and morally, our country is going down the toilet, and yet financially things seem to be getting better. I mean, President Trump's made some, regardless of what you think of the man, he's made some pretty good decisions when it comes to the business side. Well, of it. You know, as you know, I supported him from March 2016, early in the Republican primaries. I felt that he was the only only possible hope in in hmm. Among office, so you know you don't need any caveat with me. Um, but <laughs> that was for all the other listeners out there, you see. Yeah, no, I understand, but I, you know, I'm I'm sort of fairly direct about where I stand on on these things. But um, again, um, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to go into it now, but I, I will say that uh, I don't think uh, the economy is in such fabulous shape. I mean that it's improved and that uh, the president has done some extremely helpful things. There's absolutely no question about. But uh, there are still uh, far too higher proportions in the population who are takers, not makers. Mm -hmm. no, and no that, question. Uh, no and question. sometimes for some of the reasons we've just been discussing, most times for other reasons as well. But uh, obviously the piper does have to be paid on that eventually. 
Wonderful. Well, I appreciate your thoughts. Thank you very much. Enjoy your uh, thought tools every week. Keep up the good work. And thank you for joining us this evening. And uh, and thanks to everybody for joining us. We've we've got about uh, seven minutes yet to go. And uh, that means there is time for uh, one more question. But I actually don't have anybody in the in the question queue right now, as far as I can tell. So uh, if there is anybody, star six is what will bring you right onto that. And um, phone number ending 5618 uh, is up next. Good evening. Thanks for being with us. And who are you? Hi, I'm Mark, uh, calling from Wisconsin. I know Mark from Wisconsin. Yes. Thank you very much for being with us this evening, Mark. I watch your show every day. Oh, you uh, talk when you say watch. I presume you mean the TV show on TCT? TCT, yes. Great. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Yes. And I uh, get your emails to your thought tools and such. Fabulous. And Thank I you just want to say me. when my son was in college, he said uh, there wasn't too much of a collection of marriageable women because the girls were all taking modern lifestyle, moving in and learning to live together in the college campuses. And They were uh, moving in with guys. Is that what you're saying? No, moving in with other girls. And that's in the state college. And when you say moving in with other girls, in terms terms of lesbian relationships? Yes, they're testing. Yeah. Uh, Look, I must tell you, I really understand that. And um, there is uh, a term that is bandied around in in people who follow this part of the culture, and that is women like that they call lugs, L-U-G-S, lugs, lesbians until graduation. (laughs) <laughs> so, and, so, so you know, and you know why I understand them? Because no. guys on the college campuses uh, are so awful and their understanding of sexual relationships and their understanding of women is so barbaric and primitive that uh, I kind of totally understand a girl saying, you know what, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. Well, from what we've heard on the news about college campuses in recent years, I can understand that. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Yes, and, and also as far as elections, uh, I, I was uh, de- voted Democrat straight uh, for 40 years, but uh, last two elections I turned around straight Republican because uh, the uh, Democrats are going totally socialist in their ideas oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah, no, progressive is just another word for communist. Yes, but and, uh, no, it really is. But but anyways, I, I I take my hat off to you for that because it's extremely difficult, particularly if you're not you know if you're not 18 years old. Uh, it's very difficult as a as a mature adult to sort of change on something and to say you know what maybe I was wrong. In this case, I don't think you have to say you were wrong because I don't think, in, in the words of 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 many many people, not me, who say uh, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left me, and that's probably true for you too. Yeah, basically that's what it is because I started in the 70s when there were a lot of good things yeah. coming and then all of a sudden they became more... In anyway, the let's, uh, let's dump the politics and let's go to um, a question you might have. Oh, oh, I don't have a question right off. I was just making two uh, comments that I had on my mind. Oh, wonderful. No problem. Okay, okay well, great. I'll, I'll leave you to the next caller then. Have a good time. A wonderful. Mark from Wisconsin, I appreciate you being on the call and thank you for your comments. Thank you and for taking me. 
You bet. Uh, no, it's, it's wonderful for me to have the chance to, uh, to connect with folks. You know, the podcast, we do the podcast every week, but uh, one of the things that's been bothering me about it is that it's just me talking for an hour and not having any kind of interaction. Now I can do that. It's just not as much fun as it is actually uh, connecting with other human beings like I'm going to do now with Bruce calling from I don't know where. Where are you from, Bruce? Uh, Rabbi, uh, thank hey, you for taking my call. You bet. Where are you uh, calling from? Arkansas, Southwest Arkansas. Arkansas. Fantastic. Thank you for being with us this evening. Oh, thank you, Rabbi. We go back a ways. I remember you from the W4CY show. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes. That's... <laughs> uh, Rabbi, as of late, I've been uh, I've been trying to study more in Torah, and I'm interested in a good. Uh, a good synopsis, a good breakdown of, of Torah alone. Uh, um, Bruce, like a, do me a favor. Would you write that question into the Ask the Rabbi section of our website? Sure. Please do that because sure. that kind of question I'd rather spend a little more time on in, in research and giving you an answer. I don't want to really do that on this particular venue. Okay, I understand. Thank you for taking my call. But, uh, but yes, there are resources, and I'll, I'll be happy to, uh, to get a better sense of what you need and what you're looking for and give you some, some ideas. Okay, thanks. You bet. Okay, wonderful. Bruce from Arkansas, thank you very much for being with us. Appreciate that. And uh, we've just got time, I think, to say hello uh, to you with phone number 1862 is your, your last four digits, 1862. Good evening. Uh, yes. Hi, Rabbi. My name's Kate, and I'm calling from Washington State. Hello, Kate. Great hearing from you, and you know I love Washington State. I do know that. Yeah, Mercer Island, if I remember correctly. You're exactly right. Yes, yes. So my question for you um, actually is regarding um, uh, what happens when you have a situation where uh, a Christian woman is single and single into 50s or uh, 60s or so, um, and just the right man just never seemed to come along, um, but she continues in her education and then continues to make pretty good money. And I was kind of listening to what you said earlier about the more a woman makes, the more unlikely she's going to be attractive to a man. Yes. And I just wanted to see your comment onto that. Uh, look, that, that, is, that is a reality. Um, and another reality is that um, that a guy who's 60 um, can and very frequently does date a woman who's 40 or 45. Okay. That, that, uh, that is, again, um, a reality. And, um, and, and so that means that for women in their uh, mid-50s and upwards, uh, the pickings can be somewhat slim, and it can mm-hmm. be hard. However, however, there are also advantages that come uh, with with that age um, bracket, and uh, and and that has to do with the fact that a lot of the the proving is behind um, mm-hmm. the, the 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 needs are are less urgent and less compelling. And the the uh, status issues, many of those things have already been settled. And so, um, let me just ask you this: Are are you a person of faith at all? 
Yes, yes. I'm a Christian, and I really had hoped that God would give me a, you know, a husband. It just never seemed to happen. Um, well, he, he can only give you a husband once you've found a man, and then he'll help convert the man into a husband. That's a good point, and that's but, a little um, difficult. Yeah, good point. It, it is, but um, first of all, uh, I, I do think that if you are involved in a good church, and by good church I mean a successful church, a church with a strong and um, and uh, dedicated and visionary pastor, uh, as well, you know, in a church of of a, of a significant size, your opportunities of meeting people are are real and. Um, and, and you should use the, the church very, very much for that purpose. Uh, you should also not be shy about letting people know that you would be grateful to them for introducing you. And I, honestly, I, I strongly encourage people to um, throw um, very modest – I'm not talking about things that have to – that require – uh, enormous culinary skills or anything, but invite folks over for dinner to your place. And uh, and if you happen to know single people, then invite single people because one of the best ways to meet somebody is over a dinner table. And mm-hmm. um, and I just there's just not enough of that. You know, people go to restaurants and so on, but in in somebody's home, it's ever so much better. And the the art of inviting. Uh, you know, a group of six or eight or ten people over to have to have a shared dinner, and to lead the conversation, and to be a, uh, a host, and to select the people in a way that they'll match and fit together. Uh, it's one of the great pleasures of life is uh, is entertaining friends. And even if you're not a great cook, it doesn't matter because people would be coming for the they they'll enjoy the company and they'll enjoy the the connections and they'll enjoy the ambiance anyways. So. Uh, so, I mean, that's something I think you should do to just expand your circles and to be seen as a, a very viable and, and vibrant and vivacious uh, person who is socially connected. So okay. just get out there, become more, uh, more active, okay? Okay, okay, well, thank you. Please, please do that and, uh, and, you know, set yourself a program like, you know, start next week and, uh, and evaluate things in, in six weeks' time. Tell me how it goes. Okay, I will. Thank you very much. Great talking with you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, I wish it weren't the case, but uh, I've really uh, enjoyed having you all on the show. I've enjoyed talking to the folks who've called in. And uh, I would love to hear from you. Again, my website's a really good place to do that. I'd love to hear if this is something you would like us to do more frequently. And, um, uh, and if so, just let me know because I can, I can happily do it. But if it's, if, if it's not fitting your need, if it's not providing you with enough return for your investment of an hour of your time, you need to tell me that as well. Uh, alternatively, there may be some specific things you'd, you'd like me to do a little bit differently. This is, at the moment, this is experimental phase still. But at any rate, I've enjoyed this evening. I appreciate you all very much for being here. Well, there it was, everybody, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed talking with you. As I've often said, uh, one of the only disadvantages of this podcast format, which I've come to like very much, um, is the, the fact that on terrestrial radio, 
uh, I had callers, and uh, it was it was great to be able to have two-way radio rather than just one way. So uh, that. The conference call I've just played for you was our attempt to to try and recapture some of that dynamic. And I think what we'll probably, if if you like it to any extent, I think what we'll probably do is not make the whole show the conference call, but drop various conversations of the conference call into a regular show. I think that is uh, that is more 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 approximate to the uh, to the to the way a uh, a regular radio show used to work when I did it on KSFO in San Francisco and uh, KTTH in uh, in Seattle and KVI in Seattle. So uh, we'll see how this goes. But it sure is nice to be able to uh, have folks listening from all around the world at their own schedules, on their own time, and uh, and not be constrained by the limitations of scheduled terrestrial radio. So we're going to do our best to move towards some kind of uh, uh, combination of both that produces the best value to you. So thanks so much for being part of the show. The website, rabbidaniellappin.com. Uh, take a look at Madam, I'm Adam and uh, also Prosperity Power, Connect for Success. Uh, you'll get the gist of it on the website. If you go to rabbidaniellappin.com, you'll be able to read about both those resources and see what you think. Meanwhile, uh, for today, all that is left is for me to wish you a wonderful week of good health and prosperity. I'm your rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.